Rewinding. Rewinding Kaya FM on FM Rewind. Sidebar with Cindy. On Kaya FM 95.9. FM 95.9, home of the Afropolitan. Sidebar Cindy with me, Dr. Cindy Suefansale. We're back for another week of interesting topics. And this evening, I'm asking you, what is your reason for cohabitation? Medical issues, sex and family. Finance, parenting and emotional development. Sidebar Sidebar with Cindy. Cindy. Every Monday to Thursday, 7 to 8 p.m. on Kaya FM 95.9. Kaya FM 95.9, home of the Afropolitan. Welcome to Sidebar Cindy. With me, I'm Dr. Cindy Siwe Fansale. And tonight, we are speaking about cohabitation. What is your reason for cohabitation? We know that more couples live together because it's seen as a commitment step. And other couples live together because it makes financial sense. And we also know that um, you know, most women around the ages of 30 or younger um, have said that they lived with their partner before marriage. And, um, you know, we all have our different reasons for doing it. I didn't do it. Um, Marinus and I lived apart for three years and we only started living together after marriage, which is also very interesting. But tonight we're speaking about cohabitation. I'll be taking your calls on 86 959 You can SMS me on 36959. And also the hashtag on social media is Sidebar Cindy and the other hashtag is KayaFM Talk. What are your reasons for cohabitation? I'll be joined on the line by human rights lawyer Ngobizi Tamlilo, We'll be talking about the law and cohabitation. And this is so important. We need to understand what the laws are around cohabitation. So, um, yes, looking forward to this show. I'm looking forward to your calls. I'm already, um, you know, uh, looking at your comments. I'll be reading out your comments from Twitter um, as, as the show progresses. But um, I'd like to welcome my guest, Mobizi um, Tamlilo, to the show. Welcome and thank you so much for joining me on the show. It's always a pleasure and uh, good evening to all the Kaya FM listeners. So this evening, um, um, as you've heard, we're speaking about cohabitation. And the reason why yeah. we've asked you to join me is because, um, you know, it's all bad and good for people to live together. But it's also important for people to know the law around it. And, um, yeah. and, and that's why you're here. So first of all, um, I know that the law um, protects cohab- cohabiting couples. So just talk to us about, about what it was before and how this law then came into place. And then, of course, we'll go deeper into what the law is. Yeah, so so the, 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 the most important thing to understand is that cohabitation is not marriage and that the consequences that naturally arise from a marriage don't arise from cohabitation. If you, for instance, uh, for you to be regarded as a wife to someone, you need to satisfy the, re- the requirements of marriage, mm-hmm. uh, either in terms of the, a civil union or a customary u- uh, union or a life partnership. So that's in, that's something that is extremely important for people to understand that for you to be married, you need to choose one or of the different types of marriage. Then the consequences that naturally arise from marriage will follow. If you stay with someone as a cohabitation and you have not satisfied the, satisfied the requirements of marriage, you will not get the benefits, if I may use that term, that arise from a marriage. For instance, if one of the parties dies, they are not entitled to half the share of the state because they are not married. That only arises in circumstances where there is a marriage. So this idea that uh, uh, if you stay with someone for six months, for a continuous six months, you're automatically regarded as a wife, that is not supported by law. For you to get the benefits that otherwise arise from marriage legally, you need to follow the requirements either of a civil union or a customary marriage or some form of marriage that is recognized by law. 
Okay. So, okay. That's not what I understood, because I'm so glad that you're here. Um, so, okay. So if you are living together and you've lived together for, say, 10 years and the other partner passes away and they haven't left a will saying that everything of theirs is now yours, that other person gets nothing. Is that what you, That's what you're saying in a nutshell? If you're not married, yes. You, there could be other recourse that you could have in law, but it's a, it's a much more complicated process. It's something we call uh, either in, uh, unjustified enrichment or you can go to court to declare that type of union some form of a partnership, which therefore dissolved on the death of the other and therefore the assets of that partnership would then be uh, dissolved uh, as if you're dissolving a partnership. But that's a very complicated process that requires a whole lot of issues to be, uh, to be done. The point that listeners must, must take home and we have always, I've always emphasized this point every time I'm, I'm on the show, or I'm on the law report, that this idea that because you have stayed with someone for six months, I don't know where that idea comes from. It is not supported by law. If you want the benefits that arise from a marriage, pick any of the marriages that are provided for in law, then the natural consequences that arise from a marriage would follow. Otherwise, uh, 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 you, are, you, you will not be entitled to those benefits, either the dissolution by death or uh, in the event that you separate because of your own difference. So I must tell you, uh, before we go further, that in my mind, the six months um, um, cohabitation and then, you know, then, you know, things fall into place and the law protects you. That is really what I came onto the show with, with in my mind, because that's what I'd, I'd read and heard. So you're saying that that is not true. If you want to be married, then get married and get the consequences that follow from marriage. If you want to cohabitate, then cohabitate knowing fully well that you're not protected to the extent that you think you'll be protected. That's a, that's a very important aspect. I don't know where that idea comes from. Well, you say you've read it somewhere. I've never seen where that thing is. is, is and I, I struggle to understand where people get that issue of six months that you stay together for a period of six months and therefore you're regarded as married. I have no idea what I, where, where that issue comes from. Okay, well, this is eye-opening, and we're taking your calls on 86 hashtag on social media as Sidebot Cindy, and the other hashtag is KaiFM Talk. I'm chatting this evening about cohabitation, and I'm asking you the question, what are your reasons for cohabitation? Is it financial? Is it a commitment issue? We'd love to know why you are cohabiting if you are, and if you have cohabited before, um, you know, what is it like, and why did you stop? Taking your calls on 86 and I'm chatting to human rights lawyer, Ungobizi Tamlilo, who has just shattered my... <laughs> My mind, because as I said, I was still under the impression that if you'd lived with someone for more than six months, then some form of law protected you in the, in the event of, of you breaking up or in the event of your partners um, um, passing away. Okay, so moving on to um, some, some definitions. Um, okay, so are there any, okay, are there any legal rights for unmarried couples living together? Anything at all? Uh, well, you could have rights. Remember, I, 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 I did indicate that you could, you could put a claim in terms of an unjustified enrichment. For instance, um, I was staying with you, you were worth 100,000. By the time we separated and I, uh, we had irreconcilable differences, you were now worth uh, a million rand. And I can show that the growth of your estate was as a result of my personal contributions to the growth of your estate, then I can claim what we call unjustified enrichment. That's the first thing. The second thing is I can then go to court and say, yes, I was not married to you in terms of any recognized uh, union, either as a civil union, a marriage in terms of customary law, or uh, a, a life partnership. 
but our relationship constituted a partnership. Mm. A partnership is in the sense of a business, uh, the, conceptualized in the form of a business. Now that we have separated, this separation constitutes the dissolution of that partnership. And therefore, the assets of that partnership must be, must be dissolved in the same way you dissolve a partnership. But I must emphasize that that's a very complicated argument to make. It's a very difficult argument to make and sustain in court. So the best thing to do is if you want the benefits that arise from a marriage, then get married. If you don't want to, ben- if, if, if you don't want to get married, then enter this knowing fully well that w- w- what the consequences of that regime would be. The, the point to take is that if you want the benefits of marriage, which arise from marriage, for instance, if you divorce, the state is divided by half. Mm. Uh, depending on the type of marriage you, you have. You have a marriage in community of property with uh, accrual. You have a marriage out of community of property uh, without accrual. Mm. Then you have a marriage in community of property. These three types of marriages have different consequences at marriage and have different consequences on the dissolution of that marriage. If you have, are not falling into any of these, there is no any other position recognized by law which entitles you to anything at the dissolution of, the, of that marriage, save for the examples I have given in unjustified enrichment or a dissolution of a partnership. Okay, so we're taking calls on 86 We have Uma Seho on the line and she's calling us from Johannesburg. Um, good evening, Uma Seho, and um, welcome to the show. Evening, how are you? I'm good, thank you. I'm good, thanks. Um, I wanted to actually comment on your topic for tonight. I was actually cohabiting with somebody for five years. Yes. And it got so bad, so much so that um, it involves obviously money. You know, we used to borrow each other money. We lived together like uh, a married couple. Yes. Now, unfortunately, due to circumstances, we had to part ways. And now, when it comes to me saying, look, Mutawatu, I borrowed you so much money. And now, I need you to pay me back my money. I was actually told, oh, no, look, we're not married. How are you going to claim back your money when we are not married? And I'll be honest, to cohabit is basically a waste of time. It's a waste of your time. So, Maseho, are you telling me money gone? That was that. He, look, he kept on saying, look, I'll pay your money in full. Because even now, we're both expecting a child together. And he's not supporting, he's not coming forth, but yeah, he's got another child with somebody else that I was looking after. And it, it, it's bad. To call him, I don't want to lie, it's bad. At least going along, you know, I'm here for something that is solid. Cohabiting is just a waste of anybody's time, be it a male or a female, because you can't go home to his mom or his dad or his family and say, mm-hmm. because they've got every right to say, but he didn't marry you. But have you involved um, family, Masek? Have you, have you sp- we have, and look, um, once you become involved with somebody that is a breadwinner, um, they can only say so much, Kohab. Yeah. You can really only say so much. Okay, so I'm not going to let you go. I just want the lawyer that's with us on on the show to just um, um, respond to what you've just shared with us. Um, is there anything that you could do to try and get her money back? Yeah, 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 yeah. So there are two things that arise from, from, from what she's saying. If you are not married and you advance money to each other, that constitutes an advancement of credit. And that money can be and should be payable back to the person that has lent the money. But obviously, if the other party denies 
that this money constituted a loan, you will have a problem in terms of evidence because in most instances, this money is just advanced on a, on a verbal agreement. That money is not written down anyway. But ordinarily, as a point of departure, you are entitled to the return of the money that is advanced to the other outside the, outside the marriage uh, as a loan. Uh, so, so ordinarily, you would be able to do it. Obviously, the issues of evidence become become a become a different issue. Yes. The second issue to 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 understand also is that the defense on the other side of the person that would have given money is that it might constitute a donation. So, a donation is not payable back. So, all he needs to say is yes, I con- I, I I accept that I was advanced one thousand rand, two thousand rand, or whatever it is. But that constituted a donation within the confines of our, of our relationship. Friends and people do donate and give each other money without the expectation that that money will be paid back. So the point is, it is possible to recover money lent to the other outside the marriage as a credit or as a loan to the person subject to the availability of evidence to back it up. Secondly, the defense on the other side would be that that money, yes, was advanced to me, but it was advanced as a donation and therefore there's no legal basis for paying it back. Okay, so advice for anyone that might be considering cohabiting or is cohabiting is keep a logbook of monies exchanged. But remember, the second issue is that the person will come back and say it was a loan, or it was a donation, and the donation is not payable. Is not payable back. You need to, if you want to advance money as a credit, then you need to gather sufficient evidence to be able to back up that at the point at which I advanced X amount of money, the advancement of this money constituted an advancement of a loan which was payable on an agreed term. Okay. Otherwise, it will always constitute a donation. Or for that matter, it will always be a defense on the other party to say, yes, I received the money, but that money was a donation. Okay, so Masejo, I hope, I hope that you can get your money back somehow and all the best with the baby. Uh, but look, in, in, sorry, just to, before I hang up no, That's guys, fine, yeah. What, what I actually did was, for me, I had honestly kept on asking, when are you going to pay me back my money? And he would say, no, I have to go see and amend and, and, and. I, 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 with what um, sorry, the prophet saying is that he can't then claim it because I said to myself, let me just have something to show that um, I borrowed him and that we both agree that I had borrowed him money. I didn't give him money because he initially said to me, look, I'll pay you back your money in full. But till today, it's been like four or five weeks now, he's been saying, I'll pay you back in full. But I kept that as evidence so that in future, should anything happen, I would ask, why would, when I said to you, pay me back my money, you said you'll pay, pay it back in like 24 hours or only 72 hours, but you haven't done that, so that he doesn't cry out and say it was some sort of donation. Okay. Okay, thanks, Masejo. Um, Thank I'll, you I'll, very much. Okay, I'll ask Mubizita to comment a bit later on that. We'll, just, we'll be taking more calls, but before we take more calls, um, let's take a listen to this. People cohabit, broadly speaking, in two groups. There are some for whom it is a stage on the way to marriage. They're actually thinking about the whole process. At some point, they know they're going to be married. But it happens to be convenient to start cohabiting beforehand. But there are others for whom cohabiting is either an accident, like somebody's lease is up, so it's temporary accommodation, yeah. Or, and, and this is more serious, it's a case where they're not actually committed and they are cohabiting in order to avoid the commitment. Although they're living together, it's a much more fragile relationship and there's no real intent on at least one of them, one of the parties, to become a fully committed relationship. Okay, so that was a clip from KTN News Kenya um, about cohabitation and I must tell you that 
part about cohabitation being an accident. Wow. Okay. We'll be talking more about that. Well, if you've just joined us, you're listening to Sidebar Cindy with me, Cindy Fansale on KFM 95.9. We are speaking about cohabitation and asking you, what are your reasons or what were your reasons for cohabiting? I'm joined by human rights lawyer Ngobizi Tamlilo and um, he's talking about the law and cohabitation. We have Jacob on the line and he's calling us from Johannesburg. Good evening, Jacob. Hi. Hello, how are you? Good, thank you. All right. Um, I wanted to find out with regards to um, if I had paid um, Lobola to a person. Hello? Yes, yes, we're listening. Can you hear me? Yes, we're listening. Yeah. Um, and um, along the line, uh, we stopped being involved. Right? Yes. Now, the issue uh, is that in terms of um, law, is this person still entitled towards me? Okay. Okay. The lower negotiations were not complete. And um, then uh, what happened is that even like your ceremonies and all of that were not done. Okay. Am I, still, am I, am I legally still married to this person or what is the situation? Okay, so Ungobizi Tamlilo is going to answer that question for you. Um, so Jacob, Jacob's question is around having paid Lobola and, you know, what, what happens now? Yeah, so if you pay Lobola, uh, that is a marriage in terms of customary law. And a marriage in terms of customary law is a marriage celebrated in terms of the customs of the people concerned. In other words, if you are a vendor... That marriage must be celebrated in terms of vendor culture. If you are Zulu, that marriage must be celebrated in terms of Zulu culture. If you are Ndevele, if you are Sutu, it must be celebrated in, the, in terms of the culture of the people concerned. And the definition therefore becomes, how do people of that particular ethnic group uh, celebrate their marriage? What constitutes the conclusion of a marriage? And case law has developed to the extent that it suggests that in most instances there must be a handing over of the bride to the family, um, uh, which signifies the completion of that marriage. So to the extent it is suggested that the process of marriage in terms of the custom of, uh, of the caller was not completed, it suggests therefore that there is no marriage. Uh, if the processes were not followed, because that marriage, has, if it is celebrated in terms of customary law, it needs to follow all the necessary processes uh, which are necessary in terms of that culture to constitute a marriage. But even if the processes are finished, even if all the customary processes are finished, it is necessary that people who are married in terms of customary law approach uh, home affairs with the necessary documentation to back up that all the processes in terms of their culture were followed. Mm. Then they'll get a marriage certificate from uh, uh, from the minister of uh, the home Af- from the department of home affairs. Mm. Because in the event that someone dies, one of the parties dies, and there is no marriage, there is no marriage certificate from 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 home affairs because mm. home affairs a marriage certificate is the only evidence of the existence of a, of, a, of a marriage. So if one of the parties then passes on before you register your, your, your marriage, you have to then approach a court for condonation for the late registration of your marriage. And that's a process in itself. So the point again to take is that if you are one, they followed the process of Lobola and the processes in terms of your culture were not followed up to the end. Then you are not married, notwithstanding that you are staying with this person. Secondly, even if the processes were followed in terms of your culture and there was a handing over and so forth and so forth, you need to take that process to its logical end by approaching the Department of Home Affairs and then registering your marriage and then obtaining a marriage certificate. From there, you now derive all the benefits that arise from a marriage. 
Okay. And we are talking about cohabitation. And I'm asking you, what are your reasons for cohabitation? So if you're cohabiting currently, if you were, what are your reasons for it? Did you face any challenges? Are you facing any, any challenges? I'm also joined on the line by human rights lawyer, Ngobizi Tamlilo. And, um, you know, he's looking at the law and cohabitation. But, um, yeah, we're taking your calls. I want to know, um, are, more, are people who are cohabiting more likely to get married? 086-00-00959. You can SMS on 36959. And we have Jerry on the line. Um, good evening. And um, what are your reasons for cohabitation, um, Jerry? Evening to you and your guest in studio. Hi. Yes, and my name is Gary, not Jerry. Okay, Gary. Sorry yes. about that. My my first comment, I just want to give heads up to your guest in studio, uh, Mr. Movisit. Hello? Yes, yes, we're listening, um, Gary. Yes, I want to give a heads up to him because each and every time he's on the radio, I'll even switch off my TV or leave everything because that's all because he's got so much information to share. Even when he's on um, um, the law report, I always listen to the show. So, for me, my comment uh, today is I want to say that I use it as an indication whether this person you can live with or not when it comes to marriage, because some of the relationship, if you start uh, living separately, and at the time of marriage, you will not be, there will not be indications where that person, whether today you wake up with this mood or a different mood, you will never know until you spend some time with that person. So I use that as an indication to say, whether this person will be a right partner for me or not because previously I had a, I was in a relationship with a certain lady yes and all those things are only realized when I was living with her you know all the cheating each and everything regarding it when we were living separately everything was fine but the minute I was with her in the house renting that's where all the things are put here this is the type of person she is and this and that and this and that so I use it as an indication to see whether this person is it a person that I can live with or not. And Gary, how long did you live? Did you live with her? I think it was uh, over a year. Okay. Just about a year. And then the other thing is, um, the other incident that I had is when we had to separate. I had a problem because now she said we must share everything. And remember, when we got there, she was not in. She was unemployed. I was the one that bought all the basic essentials, even took out loans regarding the to buy a bed or buy a fridge or whatever it is the case may be. Mm. So the problem I had when I went to the cops, I said, no, please help me so that I can get all my stuff out of there, of the place. When we got there, they were sided with the lady. They said, no, I must go to a small claims court. How do I go to a small claims court whereas... All the things that I bought were in my name, and I've got evidence in hand that this is the receipt, this is the loan that I took. So it was a difficult situation for me. Okay, so Mangalani, let me understand this. So you bought stuff for both of you when you were living together, but you bought the stuff in your name? Yes, I bought the stuff in my name. And then after breaking up, you wanted your stuff back? Yes, I wanted to take all my stuff. But for her, she was refusing to give me all those stuff. And then when the cops came, they said no. They can't help me. So I'm, I'm, I was in a difficult position. How can you guys say I'm a, I, they can't help me? I must go to a small claims court. And regarding the law, it does not mean if you live with a person for six months or a year, then you automatically are married and you must share each and everything. Okay, so did you get your stuff back? 
No, I did. I only took the the fridge and the bed because that was the only thing that I had uh, loans of, and I okay. pushed to get them. But the rest, I just, you know what? For peace sake, she can have the rest of the thing that was there. But I can't. I can't be paying a loan for something, and then I'm. I don't have that. Okay. No, thank you so much for sharing that. All right. Okay, so coming back to Ngobizi Tamlilo, who's a human rights lawyer, and he's my guest um, to, tonight on this on this topic of cohabitation. Again, it's the whole thing about the law, Ngobizi, as you've been pointing out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I, maybe I must start by saying Kiru was making me blush from where I am. Here, so. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, I'm happy to have you on the show. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so I must appreciate. I must appreciate and uh, appreciate his comment. So, 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 so this is what happens now. So we are now talking about physical property that is within uh, someone's name, and this person then says, "This property is mine, but it is in a place that I cannot access." Um, so the course of action that was available to Gary was not to go to the small claims court, but was to approach the magistrate court or the high court to get what is called a revindicatio order. A very revindicatio order is an order in terms of which you seek the return of your physical property. So he could have approached the court to request that uh, an order be granted that he be given back uh, uh, his property. The only thing you need to prove is that you have ownership of that property. So if he's saying the property was registered in his name, he could have approached the court for that order, a rave indicate your order. Okay. So just coming back to social yeah. media, thank you for that, Mobizita. Coming back to social media, some of the comments on Twitter. So Twana says, running a household on your own as a woman is just sometimes so hard. Changing globes, weird sounds at night, and making sure the car and the million other things are sorted out is a lot. It just makes sense um, sharing your life with someone you love. And then we have Miss um, um, Takero who says that, Dr. Cindy, my friend has been seeing this guy that's cohabiting for years. So this guy takes her to the home he shares with the main. The main saw the side and now is threatening to sue my friend, but they're not married. He only paid Lobola. Can the side be sued? So, you know, that's a question for you, Mobizita. That's the situation. She's been seeing this. She's been cohabiting with this guy for years. And then the, the this guy's main person finds out and now she wants to sue her. Is that possible? It used to be possible until the decision of the South Gauteng High Court uh, of recent in the High Court here in Johannesburg basically said that you uh, um, uh, eliminated that cause of action. It was a cause of action that was basically uh, called loss of affection, that you cause someone to lose affection and therefore you become responsible uh, for it. It appears that that judgment has not been overturned on appeal uh, and that that judgment remains law, that that cause of action is no longer available. Okay, so it's called loss. It was co- it was called loss of affection. Yeah, so you could lose, yeah, sue someone you, for that. Yes, you could the, sue someone to yeah for causing you to lose affection. Uh, exactly the fact that you have indicated that uh, this person gets involved with someone who's married, and then they take you to court, and then they claim uh, uh, that you are responsible for for the loss of affection, and they claim for damages. Okay. Well, coming back to social media, some other comments. I have an anonymous comment, and this person says that, you know, cohabiting saves money. Umjolo costs a lot, especially when you both live far away from each other. This, the miscellaneous things to sustain the relationship are too much. So cohabitation is the, is the best deal while you work on, on settling down. And of course, this now brings me to the question, does cohabitation necessarily lead to, to marriage? And that's the question that I'm asking the listeners on 86 And you can SMS us on 36959. And so, Mr. Milo, coming back um, to, to the law, joint accounts. 
So say you're living together and you now decide to open a joint account, you put money into this account, you're saving for a car, you're saving for a house. Um, in the events that you part ways, what would happen there? Yeah, that's a very good example because it, it assists me to explain uh, what I was referring to in terms of unjustified enrichment in terms of dissolution of a, a de facto or factual uh, uh, a partnership. Now you are not married. So the consequences that arise from a dissolution of a marriage don't exist, but you have a joint account. So that constitutes a partnership. Now, when you want to dissolve uh, that partnership, whatever money is in the bank is then dissolved in terms of that partnership as if you are dissolving a partnership. So you, either of you has recourse to the money that is in the bank account, in the joint account, which money has to be dispersed as if you are dissolving a partnership. If one party exhausts the money in the bank account without the consent of, of the other, that in fact constitutes theft uh, and, and therefore it is actionable in, in law. So uh, I don't think there is much of a worry if you have a joint account, uh, but you must just know that at the time at which you want to dissolve your relationship or your relationship goes south, then the dissolution or the sharing of that money in the, in the joint account would have to be shared as if we are dissolving a partnership. Okay, so thank you for that explanation. We have another clip to play for you. I guess it's a test run for marriage and a lot of people who are serious with each other um, do not mind sharing the domicile, the residence, and when they do that, they're already showing commitment to each other. Usually, you know, the lady moves in, in the African setting, and when she does, she's already feeling accepted by the man. Yeah, that would be in the nominal circumstance. But in the urban setting, mostly cohabitate arrangements are for convenience. Because there are guys who do it for economic ease, that they are together and they share the bills and everything goes along. But we are in love, which is not a bad thing. If, if it could go on like that for the rest of life, fine. The only thing is that they do it out of, you know, um, tentative fear of a final commitment. Because once you do parental visitation, once you do the, 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 you know, the ceremonies, then you're stuck. Yeah? The beauty with cohabitate arrangement is that you can always opt out. So that was a clip that we heard from KTN News in Kenya, and um, that was um, that that person's comments on cohabitation. So taking calls on 086-00-0959, are you currently cohabiting? Have you cohabited? And if you have or you are, what are your reasons for it? Challenges? Are you facing challenges? Have you faced challenges? I'd like to know. 086-00-0959. And if you've just joined us, I'm chatting to Ngobizi Tamlilo, a human rights lawyer, who's really breaking down the law and cohabitation in a very great way. So if you've missed the show thus far, not to worry. You can catch the podcasts on KFM, on FM Rewind at kfm.com. Click on Sidebar Cindy and all the podcasts will, will show up. So we're still taking calls. 086-00-0959. So Mobisita, I think some of the comments that are coming through on social media speak about, um, you know, cohabitation being a trial run. And I think one of the callers, Ukeri, alluded to that. Um, you know, what are your thoughts, your personal thoughts around? around? <laughs> <laughs> Let's leave the law for a while. Just your thoughts on, on the uh, trial run issue. Uh, I'm not sure if I can cease to be a lawyer in uh, in, in this society. <laughs> I'll tell you offline. <laughs> okay, cool. Okay, we'll take calls. We have Tabang on the line. But, 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 okay, okay. Yeah, but, but, but I, I think that, um, look, I mean, people do this thing for, for, for different reasons. But I would really, really, really caution against uh, uh, doing doing this unless people are very explicit uh, and are fully aware of the consequences of what they are doing. I think we've tried to break it down to say this is what it means. Again, 
it does not matter for how long you stay together. In fact, you might have 10 children together. As long as there's no marriage certificate, you don't benefit from the results that would otherwise come from a dissolution of a marriage, either by death or by process that the two of you are no longer together. So someone then dies and there are four children down the line. And then you say this person had a provident fund or there's money that are sitting in an investment somewhere. You're not entitled to that money because you're not married to this person. And the, your, your children, because they're the direct descendants of the deceased, may benefit from, from, um, from, from, from that estate subject to them not being excluded by the, uh, by the deceased. But in the ordinary course, absent the existence of a valid marriage, there is no benefit that arises to the other party in the event either of a dissolution of that marriage by virtue of death or dissolution because the parties have just decided they don't want each other. Listeners must just forget this six-month thing. I have no idea where it comes from. I have no idea how it started. That thing is not true. Okay. Thank you, Ngobizi Tamlilo, human rights lawyer, chatting about law and cohabitation. Taking calls 86 Tabang, welcome to Sidebar, Cindy. Uh, evening, everybody. Uh, listen, I just want to clarify something with the the human rights lawyer. There, there was recently a court case in the Johannesburg High Court. Uh, a lady sued uh, their partner for, uh, I think, uh, emotional damages and, and break of, uh, breach of promise. Apparently, the guy had, uh, during their uh, stay or relationship, had promised to marry the woman, and then also they went out and looked for rings, and during the course of the time, uh, he decided not to go through with it. I wonder if the um, the guy is aware of this uh, uh, case. She actually won the case. And uh, what are the what's the breakdown uh, in, in the whole thing? That means if I'm cohabiting, and then I do promise, uh, you know, to marry, would I also then be sued for, for waste of time or, or something along those lines? Okay, thank you, Tabang. Um, yeah, that case in the South Hauteng High Court, as far as I can remember, was taken on appeal. Uh, the, 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 the breach of promise to marry is a, is a very long, and uh, it has a long history of, of, of its origin. And I, re- I, I remember reading that judgment to the extent that it was being argued that the bonnie moors, what we call the societal moors of, of, of today, don't necessarily, are not necessarily the same as the community moors that were, the, uh, morals that were there at the time at which that principle of breach of promise to marry was. I'm aware that that matter was taken on, 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 on appeal. And as far as I remember, the decision of the High Court was overturned on appeal. I'm subject to correction, but I remember that that decision was taken on appeal. Okay, thank you so much for that. Um, Tabang? Okay, so you got that. Yes, thank you, thank you. So, uh, yeah, it, it makes it easier, you know. <laughs> yeah, sure. Hey, boy, and that little laugh at the end? <laughs> yeah, Tabang. because, I mean, I mean if, if you do change your mind, then you, you won't be sued for half a million rand for, you know, uh, wasting someone's time or breach of promise, you understand? Well, I hope that doesn't encourage you to go and waste someone's time, hey? <laughs> No, like no, really. <laughs> no, no, seriously. How would you feel that happened to you? Anyway, thank uh, you. So- well, you know, life goes on. You start again. Uta bang. <laughs> anyway, thank you so much for, for calling. Oh eight six double zero double zero nine five nine. Sidebar Cindy with me, Cindy Swefan Sale. And this evening, we're talking about um, cohabitation. And the question I'm asking you is, um, what are your reasons for cohabiting? Um, has it been challenging? You know, are you facing challenges? Is it an, has it been easy for you? I know a lot of people on social media are commenting that it's a trial run for marriage. Some people are saying this makes more financial sense. Um, Humanly Awkward was saying that um, 
rents are high and salaries are not. So it's much easier to share a household with someone and save money. So what are your reasons for cohabitation? 086-00-00959. I'm chatting to Nobisi Tamlilo, human rights lawyer, and he's breaking down the law and cohabitation for us. We have Deboho calling us from Johannesburg. Hi, Deboho. Hi, how are you? Good, thank you. What are your reasons for cohabiting? Well, <laughs> actually, for me, it's not... I, I don't want to respond to that, but I have a question to Nobisita with regards to um, domestic partnership. So what happened is that I was cohabiting with my ex and we bought a property together. And um, after we decided to re- dissolve the relationship, then he moved out. I continued paying the bond. But then after two years or so, I was beg- literally begging him to sell the property and he was refusing, yet he was not making any contributions. And I must say, I'm very aggrieved because after 10 years of trying to reason with him, he eventually agreed, but I had to pay him 50%, even though he did not make any contributions. So I don't know, can I claim unjustified enrichment in this regard? Mobizita? Yeah. I wish you had not paid him because I think there was no basis for payment. Because So uh, it, 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 this is the point I'm making. Whatever happens uh, in terms of your joint financial investments or financial accounts or whatever has nothing to do with the fact that you are in a, in a, in a relationship because no consequence arises from that relationship. Because it's just a cohabitation, it is no validity in law, it arises nothing in law. So everything that happens, it has nothing to do with the fact that you are in a, in a, in a relationship. Now you buy a property and you buy it together. That constitutes a partnership. Don't call it a domestic partnership because it will, it will take you into a very different realm and begin to confuse you. It's a partnership. And then the dissolution, and, and partners are, are expected to contribute proportionate to their share of the partnership. In other words, if you are buying this property together and you're 50% share in the property and a 50% share in the property, you are expected to pay 5,000 rand for the bond. I pay 5,000 rand for the bond and therefore the partnership is paid. Now, if one party does not pay then it, and, and the other continues to pay, in other words, this person that is supposed to contribute their 5,000 does not do so. And in, the, in her case, she continues to pay. It constitutes a loan advancement to the other partner because you are acting in the best interest of the partnership. So at the time at which you now want to sell the property, you must recover the money that you lent to the partner uh, first together with your consequential loss. And then if there's anything at all that is then left f- from there, firstly, you recover the loan advance to the, to the partner, you sell the property uh, sorry, you sell the property, you, ad- you, you recover the money that you advance to the partner because you continue to pay this bond alone. So this other 5000 you are paying every month constituted a loan to the, to the other partnership. So if there is anything to be shared, it is to be shared after you have recovered both the money that you, you would have paid and the consequential loss. So in her circumstance, there was no basis for her to pay this 60% to, to him because he had not contributed to the payment of this partnership over the past 30, 30 years. If anything, he owed her. Okay, thank you so much for that. You're listening to um, me chatting to Ngobizi Tamlilo, human rights lawyer. And this evening we're talking about the law and cohabitation. And I'm asking you, what are your reasons for cohabiting? Um, was it for finances? Was it for love? Um, why? Why are you cohabiting? And have you faced any challenges? We have Zotwa um, on the line. Zotwa, thank you for holding and welcome to the show. Good evening, Cindy. Thank you for letting me in. I'm, I'm not prohibiting currently, but uh, I've been with my partner for about uh, three years now. We've, we share businesses together. Then he's 
Our final thing, Lobola is not from South Africa. So the final thing is going to be done at his home country to going to be handed over. So the marriage will be registered there. I just wanted to know, we must we come back and register the marriage again here in home affairs so that it's recognized again here in South Africa because we've got both businesses both in and out of South Africa. Um, I, I, I lost her a little bit. She, she, she said that they're going to get married outside the country. Yes, they are. Sorry? Yes, they are. Yeah. No, 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 no. So if they, if they are married, if they are married in that country, there is no need for them to come getting married again here, uh, in, in South Africa, because that marriage is still valid, is, is still recognized in, uh, in South Africa. So in the event of a dissolution of that marriage, for whatever reason, either by divorce or by death, the laws of that country will be applicable, uh, depending. So, so, okay, let, let me rephrase this. So it is not necessary for them to re-register the marriage in South Africa if they get married in, in, in any other country. If they want to dissolve the marriage, the marriage will be dissolved in terms of the laws of the domicile of the husband at the time of marriage. So if he's domiciled in, in, uh, in, in, in South Africa, then the marriage would be, uh, would be dissolved in terms of the domicile of the husband at the time at which they were, they were married. But the point, so, so, so the issue is that it is not necessary for them to register the marriage in South Africa at the time at which the marriage is dissolved for whatever reason, either by death or by, uh, by divorce. It would be regulated in terms of the laws of the domicile of the husband at the time of the marriage. Okay, and their business interests? If, I mean, their business interests are a separate, uh, separate state altogether. So the business interests, the, their respective shares in the business interests are only insofar as their shareholding is concerned. So if they own a, a plastic making company and they own 50% shareholding in each, that's a separate entity altogether to their marriage. But in their joint estate, if the, if the marriage is going to be dissolved for whatever reason, you are going to count their earnings or their shareholding in those entities, uh, those, those businesses to, to, to form part of the joint estate individually. But the business, uh, the, the business is constitute a, a very different entity altogether okay. that is not uh, on the face of it immediately reconcilable with the marriage. Okay. So I'm asking you, what are your reasons for cohabitation? Tell us your story, 86 959 You can SMS on 36959. And the hashtags tonight are Sidebar Cindy and Kaivim Talk. I'm still talking to Ngobzi Tamlilo, human rights lawyer, who's really been breaking this down nicely for us. And the one thing I must tell you, the one thing that shocked me at the beginning of the show, was that the six months living together, then you're protected by the law that we all believed. Okay, I won't say all, I believed, is not true. So he's made that crystal clear that there's no such thing and um, we were mistaken. So that's the one thing I've learned from, from tonight's show. Um, so, Mr. Just, just coming back to, to the issue of the six months, where would it have, where, where would it have come from? Is there anything <laughs> in the law that has six months in it? Because it can't have come from the no. air. It must have come from no. somewhere. No, no, it's like this thing when people people say, no, we went to the police station and we signed an affidavit because this person owes me money. Then we signed an affidavit and what, what, what? Or we're selling a car. We went to the police station and signed an affidavit. Those things, I don't know where they come from. Maybe they arise from 
people just talking and talking and at some point it assumes the mystery of truth but there is truth in truth there's no there's no there's no such thing this, if you're advancing money to each other sign an agreement of, of an acknowledgement of debt this thing of affidavits people going to police stations i don't know where i came it's it's one of those things that just arise from 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 nowhere it's the same thing as this one of saying if you stay together for six months i have no idea where it, where it comes from maybe it's one of those legend stories well, someone on Twitter, Usbusiso, backs me up. Usbusiso says, Evening, Doctor, you're not hallucinating about the six months cohabitation issue. I remembered it exactly the way you explained it to Ngobizita. It was during the Tabombeki era. But thank you to Ngobizita for clearing it, so, clearing it up so eloquently. I guess we read the law incorrectly. Yeah, no, no, no. There's no such thing. <laughs> there's no such thing. No, there's no, no, there's, there's no such thing. Okay, so and every time I've ever been on, on this show or on, on, on Kai FM, we've tried to drill that, that there is absolutely no such thing. If you want the benefits of marriage, go to home affairs and do the right thing. If you want to cohabitate, then cohabitate knowing fully well the consequences of what you are doing. Uh, and if you intend, if you see that there's a possibility that you're going to go separate ways, then start thinking properly about an unjustified enrichment claim or a dissolution of a partnership. Unjustified enrichment is basically to say that you have been enriched at my expense. That's 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 really what it means in simple terms. Mm. And and oh, okay, I'm learning so much. I, I, I'm taking notes because I need to remember all of these things that you've been sharing with us. But if you've just started listening to the show and you've missed most of it, you you can listen to the podcast. You can go to FM Rewind, click on Sidebar Cindy, and the podcasts um, are uploaded there for you to to catch um, to catch the show. Um, we have another caller on oh eight six double zero double zero nine five nine. We have Dinky um, calling us. Good evening, Dinky. Yes, good, good evening, Doctor Cindy. So I have two questions né, regarding the legal status of cohabitation. The, the first one is, um, I'd like the um, lawyer there to tell us common law marriage. To what extent does cohabitation constitute a common law marriage? Né? And then secondly, in terms of the Pension Funds Act, mm. doesn't a cohabitee have a right to claim as a dependent from the estate, even though they were not married, but they could have a share just as the children of the deceased. So those are the two questions that are listening on the radio. Obizita? Those are two brilliant questions. You must buy a bell. So there, <laughs> there is no such thing. <laughs> there is no such thing as a common law marriage. A marriage is either a marriage in terms of the marriage act, a civil marriage, a life partnership, or a marriage in terms of customary law. Those are the provisions that govern the issue of marriage in South Africa. It is governed by the marriage act, by the by the customary marriage act, and the and the, and the, and, the, and the life partnership. Anything else that is not done in terms of these statutes that I'm referring to is not a marriage. Uh, then coming to the second issue, which is a brilliant question around the issue of the provident fund. Now, that is a different question in the sense that if you, in terms of the, 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 the distribution of, of pension funds, a person nominates to say, when I die, I want my pension to be paid to so and so and so. Mm. Now, the trustees of the fund will have to look for what are called factual and legal dependents on top of those that the, the deceased would have nominated. In other words, if my father nominates me as a beneficiary of that fund, mm. the trustees of the fund, when, when it is now time to pay, will say, we can see that on the nomination form, no visitor is mentioned, 
But in our investigation, we have also found out that he was looking after this guy, this lady, and so and so and so and so. He was looking after his sister's children. He was also looking after his brother's children. Those are called factual dependents. And the trustees, at their discretion, may elect to say part so of that provident fund must be paid. Part of that provident fund must be paid to those people. So the provident fund pays on on two bases: that there must be a legal reason for paying it. In other words, these are the 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 heirs of the deceased, or they were factually dependent on the deceased when the deceased was alive. Okay, thank you for that, Mobizita. Tabo, what were your reasons for cohabitation? Hi, how are you? Good, thank you. I'm fine. Uh, I'm not sure where I am at the present moment. Let me just put it this way. Uh, five years ago, we made a decision that we're going to stay together. Uh, I paid Lobola. Uh, we've been staying together for, for the past five years. Uh, we bought the property. Uh, now, we want to sell the property. However, we incurred some a lot of debt in between. Now my partner, she moves away from the house. Uh, we owing the bond, which is the bond is coming from her account because of she's got the, the discount from, she's working from the bank. Mm. So she's got the discount from the bank. Now, I'm, I'm, I'm literally, because of her, the bond is coming from account, she's responsible to pay the account only. I was paying everything like school fees for children, giving it transport, uh, I took loan for for us to extend the property. Uh, I took credit cards. Now I'm in debt because of that. We the relationship is no longer uh, we no longer have. Let me just put it this way, because of financial difficulties. Now we want she move out. She want us to sell a property. Now I don't have a problem with that. But however, my challenge is. Uh, I've got too much. Actually, I'm indebted as we speak. Mm. Now, what should I do? Okay. Okay, thanks. Because my, thinking, yeah. because my thinking is, I don't know if I'm right. If we sell the property, we need to put all the debts that we've been uh, incurring for all this, all for the past five years, and then we pay all the, the, the debts, and whatever change we left with, we can share. I don't know. Okay, thank what? you, Tabo. You're the last caller for the night. I'll ask more visitor to respond to your to your to your query. No, no. I, I, again, if you are not married and you incur a debt, that debt is yours. Okay. Uh, so they are not married. So if the property is registered in the name, then that debt is is their debt, and whatever debts are his are, are his debts. So that's that's the position. Again, it takes us back to say you can come back and say you put me in this position and so forth. Therefore, you must contribute. But that's a different process and it's a difficult process altogether. But the point is that if you are not married, whatever debt you are carrying in your name is your is 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 is, is yours uh, at the time in which your relationship starts going south. Okay, well, thank you so much, Kobiti Tamlilo. It was great having you on the show. I think the whole night when I'm sleeping, I'm going to remember your words. If you want the benefits of a married couple, then get married. Exactly, exactly. Great having you on the show. Thank you so much. Sidebar with Cindy. Every Monday to Thursday, 7 to 8 p.m. on Kaya FM 95.9. Rewinding. Rewinding Kaya FM on FM Rewind. Visit kayafm.co.za for more.